Welcome to Leaders Recon, where we discuss leadership, warrior skills, and other unique opportunities within the G3 Leader Development Branch. I'm your host, Joshua Carr, and today we have with us Sergeant Major Williams from TR and Sergeant Major Campbell from the Sergeant Majors Academy. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, sir. Before we dive into, you know, kind of the, the academy and I know the fellowship program, which is, which is a, a piece that Sergeant Major Campbell really want to kind of highlight today, um, you know, I guess what is that, you know, unique experience that you've had in the military? Both of you have like, you know, long illustrious careers so far. What's that, you know, thing that really stands out in your military career so far um, from your perspective as a Sergeant Major? So I've kind of, personally, I've had kind of a diverse background. So I'm, I'm an infantryman by MOS, uh, but uh, I've, uh, I've been in around and just, you know, a traditional guardsman, multiple units, even though I only hold one MOS. So uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to uh, experience different, uh, different leadership skills, different uh, leadership traits, qualities, uh, and, and things that I've uh, done throughout my career that have kind of helped helps me understand and, and, and look at things differently than, you know, a traditional career uh, infantryman may look at. So um, that's been an opportunity that I've been happy to have experienced, sir. What about you, Sergeant Major Campbell? That's a, that's a tough question. I kind of look back on, on my career and uh, most of my career I spent as a traditional guardsman uh, growing up in the aviation community. Uh, I can tell when, and I often do reflect back on my career. And there were, there were things at every level. Uh, I think there were th there were events, and there were people at every level that had significant impacts on my career. And if I look back, and I say one was any more uh, important than the other, I, I can't say that. I think that that at every level, at every opportunity I've had, and I've had some good leaders, some good mentors over the years, and some great experiences that have shaped who I am as a Sergeant Major today. So you, you kind of brought up something that I think is going to lead right into what we were just talking about with this with the Sergeant Majors Academy um, being a traditional guardsman. So can you give us an overview, Sergeant Major Campbell, of you know, for those that are not as familiar with you know what the Academy is, what its chief goals are and stuff, like can you give us a quick overview of what that is? It really, just the, the, the real short answer to that is, is, is the Sergeant's Major Academy, is to, their goal is to develop senior enlisted leaders uh, that are capable of engaging in critical thinking uh, and functioning as senior enlisted advisors to their commanders at all levels. So I know that there's a substantial uh, resident and then non-resident parts of that course. Can you explain like you know, what those class sizes are? What's the makeup of that, especially for uh, the guard formations a little bit? I can give you some of the details on that. So um, just to clarify that, right, it's one course. Um, it is the Sergeant's major course that's got uh, two different delivery methods, two different programs of instruction. Um, you've got the resident course, which is a 10 month course um, that's taught here at the Sergeant's major academy on Fort Bliss. And then you've got the non-resident course, um, which is a two-year program of instruction. Um, and it's attended by uh, students from all three components, uh, from all branches of the services, quite frankly, um, just like the, the, the resident course. Um, but that's the difference. The, the non-res course is, is taught over a course of two years, um, whereas the resident course is 10 months. 
both um, based on some of the research that I've done. Um, the, the class sizes fluctuate year to year, uh, but on average, both the resident course and the non-resident course typically admit uh, in the in the range of about 700 students a year. For the non-resident course, which is predominantly what most guardsmen will attend, you know, I know that TR recently kind of instituted a, a prep program, if it was for that. Can you kind of expound on that and like, you know, what you've seen? I think you're a student in the course right now, correct? Yeah, I'm, so I'm actually a student in class 46. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'll, I'll uh, go through my phase three this coming spring. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, the Army National Guard is the predominant utilizer of the non-res course. Uh, we uh, put on average about, we input about 400 students into the phase one every year. Uh, a couple years ago, we identified a um, uh, high percentage of um, non-completions through the course, about 25%. Uh, so my predecessor, Sergeant Major Kevin Mays and the former G3 Sergeant Major um, got together with CSM SAMPA and decided to uh, institute a couple things, one of those being the orientation course. So the orientation course is not part of the uh, the Sergeant Major Academy curriculum. It is an Army National Guard specific orientation program. It is only for Army National Guard Compo 2 soldiers and it's a mandatory attendance. Uh, the only one who can you know let you out of that is the Army National Guard CSM, right? So uh, in, in instituting this, we identified some key things that the students uh, were saying they were lacking when they got into the course. Uh, one of those and one of the major things being you know, writing. Uh, it's been a long time since some of the uh, the mass arts, first arts starting this course that may have been to college. So they might not be as familiar with the uh, APA formatting, uh, Army writing styles, uh, and, and things of that nature that they'll, they're going to encounter uh, while going through the course. So um, we've done it in two different versions right now. We did, uh, for class 46, we did a uh, five-day in-resident at the Professional Education Center at Little Rock. Um, where we brought in senior leaders from the Army National Guard, Army National Guard CSM, State Command Sergeant Major, uh, as well as you know folks uh, from TRADOC, ForceCom, to talk about the Army on a strategic level, uh, as well as we brought in previous class students. So I was class 46, we brought in class 45, and for the one that we just did, which is virtual, we brought in class 46 students to actually brief uh, you know, the new group on what they should be able to expect and some of the things that we found more difficult, some of the things that we found uh, to not be as, as taxing. So the orientation really is the, the first uh, introduction you're gonna have to you know, what, what you're gonna be expected to do for the next 24 months. So sticking on the, the DL topic right now, what does that workload look like? You know, you're a student right now, what does that, what is that if you're you know, a senior enlisted leader looking to go through the academy in the near future what do, what do I need to budget yes uh, for time and energy so you know individual experiences may vary right uh, but being that it is a uh, you know a roughly 24 month course um, and it's uh, it's completely online until phase three right uh, my experience uh, phase one uh, when I very first started I spent more time probably six to eight hours a week reviewing reading um, you know, just taking notes and understanding things, and that's fluctuated throughout the course uh, based on my level of familiarity with the topic that we're, that we're actually doing, based off of what the assignments are, be it a writing assignment, a briefing. Um, so, you know, I started off probably six to eight hours a week. Sometimes I could get away with a little less. Sometimes I had to ramp it back up, uh, you know, just based off, you know, how much stuff we had going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know what Sergeant Major Campbell, if he attended the, the non-resident course as well. Um, if he, what his experience was. So. 
No, I, I actually am a graduate of the non-res course. It was class 33, if for anybody who's counting. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe I'll show my age a little bit there, but uh, yeah, Sergeant Major Williams hit it right. It's, you know, I, the workload is different per student. I mean, it's just like any other uh, form of education. Um, different students have different experiences. Uh, it, it is a workload though, it, and, and it is work and it does take effort. Um, you know, I, from my perspective, um, and I actually, I wrote my master's paper on, on this very subject, um, on persistence and distance education, specifically with the non-risk course in mind. Um, but it, it is different, um, but there's a misconception, I think, with a lot of our senior NCOs that they come to the, to the non-risk course and they think, well, it's online, it's gonna be easy. Uh, and as Sergeant Major Williams can attest, and anybody who's come to the non-risk course can attest, um, distance education is not easy. So that, that actually brought me back to a question I had gotten from uh, actually Sergeant Major at my home unit, right? And I think we talked about this the other day, Sergeant Major Williams, and that was, you know, talking about, you mentioned it's one course, Sergeant Major Campbell. It's just the difference in delivery. And like, so I guess, you know, what does the academy do I guess to kind of facilitate, you know, those same levels of standards between, uh, you know, the subjects matter that's getting taught, you know, while you're there through the course versus, you know, like papers getting critiqued and stuff as you're coming in on the online version. Well, I know from my perspective, uh, you know, as I said, it's one course. So, so our department chairs uh, and vice chairs talk regularly about the the curriculum throughout the department. Um, and, and as I said, it's not, so when, when you talk distance education, we can't take the, the curriculum that we teach here at the resident course and just move it online. Um, it, you know, throughout education, it's, it's just, it's physically impossible to do that and achieve the same learning outcome. So that a lot of the curriculum needs to be adjusted a little bit for the online environment. Uh, I can tell you one of the, the significant changes that that the Sergeant's Major course has made over the last couple of years uh, is in the delivery method. Uh, I know like when I came through the course in, in class 33, it was a lot of what they call interactive multimedia instruction, where the you know, student just kind of sat in front of the computer and clicked through a bunch of slides. Um, you know, especially now that the Sergeant's Major Academy has been accredited by the Higher Learning Commission, um, the non-risk course is now moving and, and has moved to a more collegiate environment uh, where it is more interactive and it's kind of closing that transactional distance between you know the students that that are spread out around the globe um, and their instructors and the curriculum so you actually just mentioned something there's uh sir major campbell that was what was on my list of questions which was you know the talking about the value add to soldiers that complete the sergeant majors academy both as members of the military but you know even on the civilian side as well and you mentioned something there about accreditation um can you give us a rundown of like you know what are some of the both the educational you know value add pieces that you see for individuals or graduates um and then you know kind of what that what what the impacts are for those individual soldiers uh and their units when they go back I can. So a, a couple of things on that. Um, so the Surgeon's Major course was accredited by the Higher Learning Commission, and, and it's a branch campus of the Command and General Staff College. Um, so now we're we're in our third year where students that, that are attending the
the resident course have an opportunity to work with the education office. And in addition to uh, their academic studies here at the academy, um, based on their academic history, any, any college courses that they may have taken in the past leading up to the academy, and then classes that they can take while they're here at the academy, in addition to the, to the academy curriculum, uh, they have the opportunity to graduate uh, not only search major course, but to achieve a bachelor's degree uh, in labor and workforce development from the CGSC. Uh, at the moment, uh, non-res students don't have that same option yet. Um, the academy is working diligently to get the non-resident course accredited the same way. However, that being said, um, even today, students that are coming through the Surgeons Major Academy um, have access to their joint services transcripts, um, which, uh, you know, in my day, it was called the arts transcript. Um, but I know that when I was working at, on my bachelor's degree uh, at Worcester State University in Massachusetts, um, Worcester State University accepted a lot of my experience in the military, plus a lot of my courses that I took through the up through the Surgeons Major Academy and gave me equivalent credit. Um, so NCOs coming through the resident or non-resident course um, have that opportunity to take their experiences and take the, their education here at the academy and apply it towards a bachelor's degree. So then, and then following up on that, kind of switching over to Sergeant Major Williams, um, you're up in the course right now, about to graduate. Sergeant Major Campbell's been graduated for a little bit of time now. Uh, well, 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 I guess what were some of your, you know, from starting the course till now when you're about to graduate, you know, what are the, like, I guess, key takeaways that you said, hey, like, this is what this, what the Academy really, you know, afforded me from your perspective. And then I'd like to get, Sergeant Major Campbell, your perspective as well, you know, being postgraduate for quite some time now. So I would have to say, you know, at, at the Sergeant Major level or at the Senior NCO level, you need to be able to communicate clearly. Uh, consistently and professionally, right? So it's it's not something that um, we are, are used to doing on a you know a daily basis, uh, depending on uh, where you've been assigned. Uh, so the one thing is very very writing heavy. Uh, the academy is so um, I think it's it's really driving you to regardless of the topic that you're covering and, and you know what module you're in um, throughout as you move through the course. Uh, it's very writing focused. Because you know you you lose credibility when you can't write professionally, and so that I think that's a staple and one of the biggest takeaways I've 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 got from the course um, is just hey check and check again, make sure you uh, pay attention to Army writing style, AR twenty five fifty, you know, and and formatting because it's important. And and Star Major Campbell, what's your what are some of your reflections there? Yeah, so so looking back at my career at the academy, and and you know, Star Major Williams didn't really say it, but but I'll say it. I mean, some of my students in the resident course say it that, you know, what what's the so what? Like, why why do I have to learn this and how is it going to affect me as a sort of major? Um, you know, for a lot of us and, and my experiences alone. Right? And so when I came through the academy, um, there were things that I kind of sat there and, and I said, why do I need to know this? And is this important? Um, but what students have to re remember is, is that uh, this is probably their last uh, last opportunity to educate themselves as a senior non-commissioned officer. Many of our graduates are going to go on and serve at the battalion. 
uh, battalion level. Um, many of them will go to the brigade and even to the nominative level. Um, so what we have to do is our curriculum has to match that and prepare them for uh, positions at those senior levels. Uh, I will tell you that I've had that aha moment, uh, especially over the last five or six years serving at the brigade and, and working for general officers where, you know, there were things and, and uh, events that I got engaged in that you know, I, it was actually I had to dig back to my time at the academy and remember that curriculum back there. So, um, and it, as Sergeant Major Williams said, it's like, it's important for us as senior NCOs to be good communicators verbally and in writing. Um, unfortunately, the Army uh, has done a horrible job training non-commissioned officers to write effectively. We're getting better. Uh, I will say that we're getting better. Um, and we're starting to, to educate our NCOs on how to write effectively earlier in their careers. Um, but it is, it's, it is important, as Sir Major Williams said, that um, if, if you prepare a written document and it's not formatted correctly, and if it's not grammatically correct, um, chances are the recipient of that communication is just gonna throw in a trash can and, and we as Sergeant Major are gonna lose our credibility and our organizations are gonna lose credibility. So then piggybacking off of that, you know, what's some of your advice to those senior NCOs that are getting ready to attend the Sergeant Major Academy to set themselves up for success, whether it's DL or uh, um, in person? Uh, for for a student coming to either course, uh, and, and I guess to, to to focus on the non-risk course for a second, um, from the National Guard perspective, is most importantly time management. Um, you know, we we talked a little bit already about how much time you have to invest to succeed at the academy, um, and and we tell our resident students the same thing, quite frankly, that that you have to budget your time. You have to carve out that time and dedicate it to studying. Um, you know, and you also have to have a good study space. And, and I think Sergeant Major Williams can attest to that. You don't necessarily wanna use the kitchen table um, because you're gonna get interrupted um, quite frequently. Um, but then the writing piece, uh, I, I will tell you that the only way to get good at writing is to write and, and to write some more. Were you in, in, the, in an M-Day status or as a traditional guardsman when you went through the resident course or the non-resident course, excuse me? No, I, I was. So I, I had actually been selected for Sergeant Major when we were deployed and started the academy while deployed. Um, and then uh, when I came back, I went back to my civilian job. I was uh, an M-Day soldier in the Massachusetts National Guard. So Sergeant Major Campbell, that kind of leads into one of my questions about the work-life balance. You were a traditional guardsman, had that civilian career, and uh, managed your responsibilities as, as a soldier. How did you do that? Uh, great question. Uh, some, sometimes, sometimes I wonder. Uh, but, but I will say that that how I managed it was I had a tremendous amount of support from my wife and from my family. Um, they knew that that attending the academy was important to me, um, you know, and, and and I've said it over the years, it's like I've been fortunate that I've had two very successful careers, you know, one in the civilian world and one in the in, in the guard. Um, and so the, having that support, if I had not had the support of my family to get through that, um, I, I never would have been able to finish it. 
you know, and then, you know, as I said, it's like try to find that balance. So there was, there was a lot of long days or a lot of long nights, um, you know, but as I said, oftentimes it's like, I would kind of just, you know, we, I was fortunate that I had a small workshop in my basement. So I used to just kind of go down there to study for quiet space, but then still, uh, in addition to carving out time for studying, you got to try to make time for family too. So Sergeant Major Campbell, you really mentioned, you know, it was important to have that, that family support and whatnot while you were going through the, the academy. What was your civilian career, by the way, that you're? Uh, I uh, was in a senior executive in security investigations management. Okay, wow. So now, Sergeant Major Williams, you've had a little bit of a different experience being a AGR soldier while going through it, you know, what, can you give us a highlight of like what that experience looked like for you? Yeah. So uh, I would consider myself pretty fortunate in the fact to be uh, an active guard reserve soldier and, and going through this, uh, while it is time consuming and, you know, it, it does, uh, it does require a lot of, uh, you know, effort and, and time, you know, at night and on the weekends. Um, I don't have a civilian career I'm also competing with. Um, but in, in my experience so far, it's, it's really the, the success for me has been, you know, that just open communication with my family. Like, like Sergeant Major Campbell said, that family support's great. Um, you know, just being honest with my wife up front, hey, I, you know, this is going to take a lot of time and, you know, this is what I'm signing up for. Um, so that way on those Sundays when I've got a deadline because, you know, maybe I should have been working on something a little earlier than I had been. Uh, maybe I procrastinated a little bit. I can, I can sit down and, and, and get after it. Um, so I've, you know, I, I consider myself fortunate. I mean, I, I, I don't really have the uh, ability to work on it during the duty duty day, um, but uh, it's it's definitely a uh, it's definitely experience that uh, that that it does take a toll on uh, you know your, what you're working on and and your family. So uh, I think that's uh, their support's what is really the best for that. So before we move into talking about the fellowship program, which is which I'm really excited to kind of hear what that is all about. The, you know, highlighting a couple of the key points. You mentioned earlier, Sergeant Major, that, that uh, some of the key takeaways were, like, if you're preparing to go to the Sergeant Major's Academy, that orientation course is really going to provide you the tools to set you up for, for success in the non-resident mm-hmm. course. Um, as far as the resident course goes, Sergeant Major Campbell, do you want to highlight a few things for for you know, guardsmen that are selected for the resident course of things that they might should do to set themselves up for success when they arrive? Uh, I, I can, and, and I think we've, we've touched on a number of them uh, already. And re- regardless if you're coming into the non-resident course or into the resident course, um, you've got to have the support of your family. Um, it, it, again, regardless of, of which method of instruction that you're coming into, um, without that support, um, it's going to be a challenge, right? Not impossible, but it's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, the other piece of that is, is that regard, and, and it's like any other, uh, educational opportunity or educational endeavor. Uh, you have to be prepared. Uh, you have to budget your time, uh, and understand that there are going to be requirements. Um, and, and we're all procrastinators, uh, oftentimes. And so, you have to understand that um, and get yourself, you know, whatever works for you, um, you know, and there's there's a number of tools out there um, that can help you be successful. But, um, you know, as we tell our students in the resident course, they're tools, right? None of them are perfect. None of them are going to have all the answers. Um, 
let's just figure out which one works best for you. Well, thank you for that, Sergeant Major. So, you know, to kind of shift into talking about the fellowship program, which I think everyone's excited to talk about a little bit. Can you give us an overview, Sergeant Major Campbell, of what that, of what the fellowship is? Yeah, it's, it's, and the fellowship program is it's a phenomenal opportunity for senior non-commissioned officers. So um, the way the program is set up is, is that um, sergeants major can apply to the, to the fellowship program. Um, and for a National Guard soldier, for a National Guard NCO, uh, it's a three-year commitment. So you PCS through to Fort Bliss, uh, and you're enrolled in a master's program at either uh, Penn State University or Syracuse University. Uh, to obtain a master's degree. Um, Penn State, uh, it's lifelong learning in adult education. Uh, and at Syracuse University, uh, it's instructional design. Um, so that you, it's a one-year master's program for either school. Uh, and then for that National Guard NCO, it's a two-year commitment on the platform teaching here at the resident course at the Sergeant's Major Academy. So how many how many applicants do you typically get per year? How many spots, I guess, do we get per year for the fellowship program? And can you give us a little bit of a of a dynamic um, of what that looks like? And then, you know, I guess what the big takeaways are for those fellows. So a great question. Um, and I know we've just expanded the program. I came in in cohort four and there were 20 slots. Um, for the fellowship program. We just selected and announced cohort seven um, in which we've got 30 NCOs coming into the fellowship program. Um, and I believe when I looked at that list and, and talking with Sergeant Major Sampo, I think that uh, the National Guard has five NCOs in cohort seven now. Uh, Sergeant Major Williams, is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. We've got five. Um, so again, phenomenal opportunity. Now I, I will say uh, talking with uh, the commandant here at the academy and the director um, and my peers across the force, uh, the army, the army as a whole, right? All three components um, are challenged to get applicants for the fellowship program. I mean, we filled the 30 seats this year. Um, I think that uh, there were about 34 or 35 applicants for those posi those positions in the fellowship this year. Uh, we'd like to get that to a point where we're, we have 60 or more. And we would love to get to that point where, where the, the desire to come into the fellowship program is so great that we have to turn people away. So you mentioned it's a three-year commitment. Um, you know, what does that three-year commitment broken down look like? So the, the three-year commitment. So with the first year, um, you're basically um, uh, here at, at Fort Bliss, um, but you're attending school, whether it's at Penn State University or Syracuse University, in a distance education uh, perspective. Um, once you graduate from one of those two schools, um, then you're assigned to a department here at the academy where you become an instructor in that department. And then you teach for two years. Sorry, Major Campbell, then, like from your experience so far as a fellow, what, what are some of your most memorable experiences as a fellow or what was the big value add that you think you've gotten during your fellowship experience that makes it such a unique Army opportunity? So for me, uh, I, I think going through uh, the Penn State program, 
made, made me a better writer, made me a better communicator. Um, what I also think is as a senior NCO, um, it gave me a better up, it made me a better instructor. Um, and, and so NCOs, whether we're serving as an instructor at the academy or, or at a schoolhouse, or if we're just out in, in the operating force, I mean, we're still instructors and we're teaching soldiers um, how to do things, right? Um, so that, for me, that opportunity uh, at Penn State made me a better instructor. Um, plus, I've had the opportunity to engage with, with NCOs from across the services, from our multinational partners, um, which is, has helped me learn from their experiences uh, and hopefully they've learned from my experiences. So it sounds like it's really cool networking opportunity working there too with uh, senior NCOs from across the formation. That, absolutely. So Sergeant Major Williams then talking a little bit about you know how someone goes through the process of becoming a fellow. I know that a lot of that's routed through TR. Can you walk us through what that looks like? Yeah, so um, as, uh, as Sergeant Major Campbell touched on earlier, uh, the program's expanded from 20, uh, 20 fellows to 30 this year. Uh, so it, it really all kicks off with a, with a fellowship announcement from uh, the Non-Commissioned Officer Leader Center of Excellence, Nicole Code down at Fort Bliss, and they'll, they'll send that out. Um, and then we will take that here in, in training division and leader development. Um, Sergeant First Class McClellan will take that and, and make that into our own announcement. Um, we will mirror a lot of the things that, um, that the active duty is looking for. Like uh, this year, um, the application process uh, incorporated, uh, was going to incorporate an actual interview uh, via phone or, or over Microsoft Teams. So we did the same thing. You know, we, uh, we do not um, constrain the packets from the states. We'll take as many as, as they'll send. Uh, in previous years, we did scrub those and send down what we would consider the top three um, and in the past two years, we didn't have any applicants selected. Uh, this year, we got five. We did interviews with uh, CSM SAMPA, a couple of state CSMs, uh, myself and the G3 Sergeant Major. Um, and then we sent uh, all five packets down there. Um, the, uh, where it gets kind of, uh, where, where there's differences between Compo 1 and 2, um, right, is the funding piece, right? So, um, like we have five fellows going down there this year, but the, the, while Nicolco funds all the tuition related expenses, anything that has to do with the college, yeah. um, all the rest of the funding has to come from National Guard Bureau for the PCS cost or the pay and allowance if it's a traditional guardsman. So there are some nuances there, especially when you start selecting active guard reserve soldiers that are either title 32 or title 10, um, but the process itself isn't, it's not really that difficult. I mean, as long as you have the support of your, your unit and state leadership, um, you know, it's, it's really anybody. And a lot of that is a testament to um, the Sergeant Major, the previous Sergeant Major of the Army daily, um, who did not want to constrain the, um, the fellows to the Army National Guard gets so many and the USAR gets so many and compo, you know, active duty. It was a send me your best and brightest and that's who we'll take regardless of which component they come from. Uh, so, you, I mean, you saw that this year where we eat five of the 30 Army National Guard soldiers. More of that one Army perspective. Kind yeah. Of. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and why that matters is like you, you'll talk to Major Campbell. I mean, he's, he is the only um, facilitator that the Army National Guard has across the resident and the non-resident course. And you're looking at, you know, 
at any one time between phase one, two, three and the resident academy, you have in, upwards of 800 and 900 Army National Guard soldiers in some phase of the academy. Um, and he is the only only representation that Compo 2 has um, at, at the academy actually facilitating instruction. Wow. Yeah, that's really a unique perspective there. Talking about like representation and like how you know that works with what kinds of soldiers are going into the fellowship. I know Sergeant Major Campbell, we talked a little bit before about how the fellowship, you know, wasn't intended to be, you know, a terminal assignment, you know. Can you expound on that a little bit? I, I can. And and ideally we don't want the fellowship to be uh, a terminal assignment. Um, you know, I and and listen, I mean I, I'll say it. I mean every everybody, every NCO has a terminal assignment, whatever that may be. Um but I, ideally, what we would like to see is, you know, somebody graduate from the academy, resident or non-resident, of course, go out and serve one or two tours as a sergeant major at the battalion level, uh, come into the fellowship program, take that experience and bring that experience back uh, and help educate the next generation sergeant major and then be prepared to go back out to the, to the operating force or, or even to the generating force. You know, and serve at, at the brigade or the nominative level uh, as a sergeant major, um, so that you don't just stay here at the academy for the rest of your career. I mean, that's a, I think that's a really good point to make for like those soldiers that are, that are prepping for this. You know, you've you've seen a lot of the packets, I'm assuming, that come through for the fellowship application. If you were going to give advice to, you know, not more junior NCOs as they're preparing and one day would be interested in attending the fellowship, what would that advice be to set themselves up for success? when they get to that year level. So, so I, one, one big thing, I think the first thing I say is make sure you, uh, your bachelor's degree is from a regionally accredited institution. Um, I say that in jest, but that is because we are part, the academy partners with outside universities to, for you to get your master's degree, they will require you out of a regional accreditation. Um, doesn't, might not be something you're thinking about at that level, but ask that question. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, it really comes down to your, your career timeline and what do you want to do. As Sergeant Major Campbell said, you know, we don't want this to see this to be a, you know, a terminal assignment. Um, this should definitely be value added to the force once you complete it, right? We don't want to pay for you to get a master's degree and then you retire and go do something else. We want you to take that experience that you've had as being a facilitator at, you know, the most senior level of education uh, for the non-commissioned officer and take that back out to the force and, and enhance the junior NCOs. And do you have anything else to add to that, Sergeant Major Campbell? No, and, and actually, Sergeant Major Williams hit it right on the head, that regional accreditation. Um, and I, I would just caution NCOs thinking about applying to the fellowship program that they really need to understand the difference between a regionally accredited institution and a nationally accredited institution. Um, and, and as Sergeant Major Williams said, it's like if uh, your undergraduate degree is from a nationally accredited institution, uh, Penn State and Syracuse will not accept it. Um, so that's important. And I, I know it seems kind of backwards, um, but when you look at the higher education commissions, um, the regional accreditation holds more weight than a national accreditation. Hmm. That's very interesting. I had no idea. So while we have you both here, got like, I don't even know how many years of wisdom <laughs> um, <laughs> between the two of you here. Uh, What's your advice um, as far as to junior 
to junior NCOs, junior soldiers out in the formation, um, just on leader development in general. I know that we we ask all of our guests this, just to kind of like give their advice based off of um, you know your experiences so far. So I think I talked to for for me personally, and and one of the things that I I, I try to talk to junior NCOs about whenever I get the chance is. Um, Education's great. You're going to have to go to courses, but I think it's uh, mentorship is a lost art, right? Um, I am where I am today because somebody gave me good advice, and uh, you know. And when I say mentorship, I don't just mean like the you know, hey, you find someone that's your buddy and you hunt them down and you guys talk about what you want to do. I mean, you know, develop a network and you know, uh, uh, a close knit group of folks that don't speak like you, they don't think like you, they don't talk like you, you want a diverse mentorship background, same MOSs, different MOSs, uh, male, female, uh, because as you're, um, as you're progressing through the ranks and you've, you know, one day may want to, you, you be in a leadership position, a platoon sergeant, a first sergeant, you're going to encounter things that you might not be ready for, you don't know how to answer. Um, so having a, a diverse group and network of peers and seniors and even subordinates that you can reach out to and and get different perspectives and viewpoints um, it would it definitely helped me in my, in my time um, and and I would I would advise them to kind of try to do the same and start that network uh, at early in your career as you can you know the army's big but the longer you're in the smaller it gets so that's a real good point what about you Sergeant Major Campbell and then from my perspective I mean Sergeant Major Williams hit on on a lot of key points and you know networking and mentorship um, and finding that mentor um, a couple of things that, that I would add to that is, is that for young NCOs coming up today, um, challenge yourselves. Uh, step, make, make a deliberate attempt and a deliberate effort to get out of your comfort zone. Uh, once you get comfortable in an organization, once you get comfortable in a position, you become complacent and, and you stop growing. So uh, junior NCOs should continually uh, continually challenge themselves and and stretch their their limits, um, you know. And then the other thing that that I would challenge junior NCOs to do is is you know and, and we we teach it here at the academy is take a critical look at your organization and and if you don't like how things are going or if you have a better idea, right? You get yourself in a position where you can make a change, right? And work with leadership to make that change. Uh, and to make that organization a better organization than it was when you got there. One last question before we before we dip off here, and that is uh, on the subject of resources. I know both of you mentioned like getting to the academy, the importance of communicating and writing and various things. If there was a a resource that you had for uh, NCOs, officers, whoever really out there that you would, based on your experience, you'd be like, hey, this is something that I've used over the years to reference, or I've used over the years to you know, help prepare myself for excess, you know, what would it be, I guess, if you want to start Major Williams, you want to take that? Uh, resources, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so as an NCO, right, you don't have to know everything, but you got to know where to find it, right? So um, it, it seems like a shameless plug, but I love the Army Publications Director website, right? If, if, if it's not out there, um, it, it doesn't exist. And if it is out there on their, on their, uh, on their side, it is most likely the most current publication. So um, throughout my career, um, I've, you know, I've continually referenced back to that to check myself to, you know, to make sure I know what I'm talking about and the things I'm saying aren't out of date. So if we're just talking about tools and resources, I would start there. Yeah. 
What about you, Star Major Campbell? Uh, from, from my perspective, I would say read. Um, read and then read some more. Um, reading uh, improves your mind, uh, improves your ability to engage in critical thinking. Um, it also helps you write better because as you see how other people write. Um, and, and when I say read, it's like, I, I, I'm going to be honest, right? Uh, when I was a younger person, um, you know, my dad used to hand me, you know, all the novels that he would read and, and I read a lot of novels and, and while those are interesting when you're sitting on the beach, um, you know, read, and I'm not just talking leadership books, but read for the sake of knowledge, right? And to broaden your mind. Um, the more, the more you engage in that and reading, um, the, the actually the better off you're going to be. So do you have a couple, any specific, uh, books or or references that you would recommend that soldiers read here off the top of my head i, I do um actually there was a book i read not too long ago um titled legacy uh and i'd have to go back and look at the author um but it really the the, the focus of that book was uh new zealand rugby team the all blacks um, and it kind of went through and it talked about when a, a new player joined the All Blacks, they got a book uh, and the book was a history of the team. Uh, and then there were a whole bunch of blank pages at the end uh, of the book. And the challenge to those new players was what's going to be your contribution to the team? It's really good. We'll link that. So we'll link that to our our new leader development website that we launched on nationalguard.mil so that as people are listening, if they're interested, they can find some of the information that you guys referenced here. So, And then it's still in the bookcase behind me, so I can I can pull the author up and get it for you. Well, thank you, Sergeant Major. Um, well, and thank you both for coming on today and sharing some of your experience um, and insight on the fellowship and on the academy and leadership lessons learned in general. So. You're welcome, sir. Thanks for having us, sir. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed today, please visit us at our social media pages in the links below. Tune in to Leaders Recon over the next few weeks as we bring in today's leaders and pioneers to discuss their experiences, share their wisdom, and help you grow as a leader. We will also be announcing opportunities for you to sharpen your skills and expand your toolbox as a member in today's Army National Guard. See you next time. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe below and leave us a five-star review. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.